Hey, what up, Peak Freaks? It's your sassy little squishmallow, Kevin, here. Unfortunately, we don't have any new reviews to read this week. Apple Podcasts must be broken or something. But I am sad to report that it looks like we got our first one-star review. Whoever you are, we really appreciate your feedback. If you could just kindly drop your address, we'll give you a free five-star ass-whooping courtesy of the Peak Freaks. And if you're unlike this idiot and are enjoying the pod, please make sure you leave us a five-star rating, write a nice little review, or just have a nice little picnic in the uh, park. Make a day of that shit. All right, it's time to put away your Flesh World magazine because we got a doozy of an episode for you. Let's get after it. I only watched this episode one time, so I feel bit, like vastly underprepared. Oh, I only watch yeah. it one time each. I try to watch it a second time, and it never works out. Yeah, I, just... I actually didn't watch it. I had my uh, log watch it. <laughs> so man getting the prop out of the way in. before yeah prop is getting out of the way before we even start the podcast where did you get that log from dennis uh it's actually raining here a lot i was gonna go outside and get one but this is from my fireplace so my hands are covering ash all right dennis's prop is revealed it's a log i think it's just i'm gonna try as fast as possible with the prop out of the way it's like, probably it probably eases your anxiety a lot because then you like have this like thing in your back pocket. Yeah, I feel like I can't talk because it's like, when do I get the prop out mm-hmm. now? Um. Okay, let's um, get into the episode. Okay. So we start off at the Great Northern Inn. Men sing and clap, disturbing the sleep of Agent Cooper, who makes a voice note to Diane that he has been awakened at four a.m and asks her to send him earplugs. Yeah. So Diane makes a return. Right away, she's back. Yeah. So he's clearly thrown off his recent, um, what's the word I was looking for, trance, or like, is almost hypnotized. Oh, and you got anything about that? (laughs) I don't remember that part. (laughs) It's a very first scene. I, I think I maybe left the room really quick and then came back. I, I love it because Owen said a big text beforehand how he's so prepared for this episode. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he also like he in the last thing he he came out with the hot point about like we haven't heard from Diane in a while. Yeah. So I was like, oh he's gonna come in hot ready to talk <laughs> about this and clearly nothing. Yeah. yeah. Well it's yeah I think you're right Kevin like it was kind of like his trance is broken because uh-huh. he, he goes on some tangent about his dreams or how uh you can't ever expect to get decent sleep anywhere. Right, and he does say something interesting about how he hasn't needed the earplugs since New York City, so we know he's not from oh. New York. He says he's like, I haven't needed earplugs since I went to New York. Diane, it is 4.28 a.m. I have just been woken up by the most god-awful racket, which you can probably hear over the sound of my voice. Can you hear that? Up until this moment, I've experienced nothing at the Great Northern Hotel but the most pleasant, courteous service imaginable. However, it just goes to prove the point that once a traveler leaves his home, he loses almost 100% of his ability to control his environment. Here's my problem. I thought he was talking to the, like, people at the front desk. I do remember that scene. And for some reason, I skipped over the Diane part. So I thought he was just pissed. He's like, I've had nothing but good stuff here, but today is the worst. Yeah. Okay, I can see why you would gloss over that then, but that was right over my head. 
I want pretty to uh, pretty obvious though, you know. So bad, bad miss on my part. Sorry, I'll do better. The the one thing I notice is his hair is always like slick back, perfect, even when he's middle of the night sleeping. I don't have hair, so it's hard to say. Is that not what it's like? I guess I used to have hair. And I, don't, I don't think you go to hair, bed with that much hair gel in. I guess. <laughs> yeah, that is pretty gross. Yeah. Yeah, it makes you wonder if that's just a plot point or like a characteristic or if it's just like, and we want this guy to look good on camera. Yeah, I think it's just Mr. Perfect Co- uh, Agent Cooper, where he just is like neat in line, has all his ducks in a row, but yeah, I don't know. We'll just pay attention to his hair for the rest of the show, see if anything's out of place. All right. Cooper enters the dining room as the singing continues, and the waitress tells him the men are business junket from Iceland. Audrey offers to help Cooper with the case, but he tells her to go to school, then asks how old she is, learning that she is 18. Cooper leaves as Jerry hugs a loud man. Agent Cooper just looks disappointed that she's there. He's like, oh my God, I gotta shake this girl. She's bugging me and getting in my way, and he just wants to do his own thing. Um, And she's definitely not 18. I think she's lying. The thing I noticed with her, that scene, she was about to reveal something that he would have been really, really interested in. But I think he was like thrown off from the sleeping. She's like, I'm about to get a job at the perfume counter. And I think that he would have been interested in that. But he like cut her off beforehand. You know? Oh, he did. She didn't get to saying that yet. No, she didn't get to saying that. Oh, and I think it's because he had a bad night's sleep. Oh, it does make you wonder if she really is interested in solving the case or is really just like getting involved just to make her seem more interesting to Cooper. Yeah. Or getting his bed sheets. Mm-hmm. Mm. <laughs> I do. I do. Like, I think the last episode we talked about this and I missed it, that she's just way more into the case. So she's doing everything she can to figure out the case. So she might not be attracted to Cooper. Someone already made this point. I just didn't notice it last episode. And I think that's a good point. I think she's doing everything that she can to crack the case. That she'll sleep with Cooper. She'll do whatever just so she knows. Oh, yeah. That's a good take on it. You know, because right now it's being presented as she has a crush on him and wants to bang his brains out. Yeah. And if anything, he's manipulating her but really maybe she's manipulating him a little bit yeah i mean because they do show how she does manipulate people hang on really quick let's watch this it'll take him a day or two to reset their biological clocks <laughs> that lady's hair is Dinerly. how are you I am. well audrey to be perfectly honest sleepy <laughs> When that Jerry guy came on scene, I really do not like that guy at all. Like, he's just something about him bothers me. If he was a real life person, I'd absolutely hate him, but I enjoy him as a character. He, like, he's very chaotic and I like it. I agree with Owen. If he was in real life, I would hate him. He's such an annoying person, but I really enjoy him in this show. He's such a nice change of pace to somebody who's not serious, where everybody's serious all the time. Dude, that guy loves food too. Bust out like a leg of lamb, kisses yeah. it rotisserie style with some mint. Is that, that what he said? Gross to me, but yeah, I, that I, sounds disgusting. <laughs> Just mint, and that's it. Rotisserie with mint, yeah. <laughs> no salt, no salt. No I think nothing. he does say salt actually. I was gonna say 90s, 80s, 90s. I feel like the only type of seasoning that they had was salt and pepper, and that was it. 
And it's like the only yeah. season you get is when it's at the actual table and you shake it out. I thought that too. And then I just kind of realized that my parents weren't very good cooks and like <laughs> had no seasoning in their house. But like other, I think other people had a lot of good seasoning. Growing up or now, do you put salt and pepper on all your food? When I'm cooking it, but I'd never have a salt shaker on the table and be like, oh, I'm just going to add mm-hmm. this on there. My girlfriend called me out about six months ago. Like, what do you mean you don't have a salt and pepper shaker? Like, that's such a normal thing to have. Like, you just put salt and pepper on your food once it's done. And she thought I was crazy. And then four months after that, she was talking to my sister. And she's like, isn't it Kevin weird? Like, he doesn't put any salt and pepper on his food. And she's like, I don't do that either. It's just like, I don't think it's like how we grew up. Yeah, I think think she's the weird one. And you could, she's going to listen to this podcast, obviously. So (laughs) she'll hear us roasting her about her salt and pepper. Uh, But but I I have a salt and pepper shaker. I just, I honestly like never use it. It's more of like, it looks cool. It's a bear and a log. So that's very Twin Peaks. Yeah, yeah, I'll share it next, uh, whatever. I'll use it as my prop. I, Lisa's like that, where like I'll cook something and she'll add salt to it before she's even tried it. And I'm like, hey, baby, I added salt already. You know? Huh. I think we need to start a new podcast where it's how how do you season your food? Do you salt yeah. or no salt? And just roast people on it. All right, next scene. Benjamin smokes a cigar in his office and Jerry enters. Benjamin says all the guests have complained about the men from Iceland, and Jerry says they are excited about the Ghostwood development project. Ben says he is throwing a gala reception for the Icelandic investors and suggests a visit to One-Eyed Jacks. Leland enters and offers his help with the new investment group and breaks down crying. Leland is getting fucking annoying. This guy needs Dude, more. I just every time I see him, I'm like, what a blubbering fucking mess. <laughs> I know. Bring in James and Josie. Like, I would take anybody over this guy in this scene right now. By the end of the episode, I'm like laughing just mm-hmm. at how fucking annoying he is. And like, dude, get it together. When he when he showed up at their office, I couldn't tell if they're like, just get this fucking guy out of here because they're annoyed by him, or they're like, get this guy out of here because we killed his daughter. Yeah, I think he, they, I, the impression I got is like they didn't want him to blow the deal, I guess. Yeah. Oh, so, so not even either of my options, completely different ones. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> I didn't that's hear Owen's options, but it's definitely Wait. the case that they're just trying to get him out of there so he doesn't blow the deal. Wait, I just noticed something though with you reading that fandom is that it's it's called Project Ghostwood, which is like the woods ghosts. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah, and they're trying to get rid of the factory in there, and it's like we want this to be our own. Little- oh, I never even made that connect. That's yeah. why he's so interested in that. <laughs> I didn't either. Holy shit! Wait, really? <laughs> now I get why the pieces are tied together. Because I'm like, okay. why? What does this guy give a fuck about this fucking lumber yard? <laughs> Thanks, guys. <laughs> Good job, Kevin. I've only rewatched every episode twice, and I still don't fucking get it. A couple of quick talking points on this one is. Ben is just sitting there smoking a cigar at his desk. I can't imagine doing that. Just like smoking a cigar on a regular basis, like during a work day, just you would smell like cigar for the next nine hours. Yeah. I I feel like whenever I smoke a cigar, it's the next morning. I just completely regret it. And could you imagine just doing that every, maybe you just get used to it, you know? 
tastes like shit. Your mouth tastes like shit. I think the other way around. I love the smell of cigars. I agree with you the next day, though. It's like your hands or your throat. Like, it's awful. But I think if you're doing it every day, you just get used to it. And, like, that's just your life. You probably don't even notice it. So I do like uh, the, the intro to The Sopranos. Not to go on a tangent. But he's smoking a cigar, driving in the car. It's like summertime. He's listening to music. The window's open. I that's the intro it. to The Sopranos? Yeah, he's driving from New York to New Jersey. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, it's pretty sweet. Uh, ben has his own name wood carved on his desk. Would you ever use that? Like if you had a dentist? Um, no, but I think that was a thing more back then. Like people had name plates on their desk, right? Oh, and you have an office. What's on your desk at your office? Literally nothing. I don't. My my office is very very boring. It's got a computer computers and oh, I got. I guess I have my business cards on there. Computers can be useful. Yeah, I use them every once in a while. Got some papers. I got a tray and then just keyboards. Do you ever hand out your business cards? Honestly, I hold on to them as much as possible because I don't want anyone emailing me or calling <laughs> me. So it's like very last. Like if I'm like new business i'm like here you go here's my new card yeah but dennis what's on your desk um nothing really monitors computer some stuff i haven't filed no personality like i have a don draper funko pop and a couple mugs you work at like a fun office though kevin that's I got, like, yeah three people that are at, like i have two other offices in the office building the rest is all warehouse stuff so it's it's no fun it's not yeah. we go to yeah. work i work we don't in go my and have fun yeah and i have a couple books that i never read that are just like signaling <laughs> just like look at this book i think i what? would like kevin what's on your desk at home right now um anything fun no no Maybe. see no, you're it's right. for show, baby. It is for show. You're right. <laughs> I like, oh my God. You're right. Do you get a lot of compliments on your cool desk, Kevin? No, never once. People think like I'm smart though. They've commented on the books before and been like, you're the guy with the books on his desk. You should get like the encyclopedia, like an old fashioned encyclopedia set, like 20 books. Stack, <laughs> them, stack them really high. <laughs> okay. They talk about the reception, and Ben says that. All of Twin Peaks, best and brightest, are going to be there. And Jerry says, oh, are we holding it in a phone booth? I thought I that was really funny. Just like it's so small. Oh. <laughs> yeah. He's a funny guy. Yeah. It's like that rocket science joke. Yeah, that one hit. <laughs> yeah, so they what the first person they invited was fucking Le Leland Palmer. <laughs> <laughs> Bobby's dad. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Why is Bobby's dad there? I don't know. He's on the, and the old Haggett lady. I hate that lady. All right. Let's get to Jacques or Jacques apartment. The police search Jacques apartment. Jacques had worked at the lumber mill until he gained weight. Then he started tending bar. Harry reports that no one has seen Jacques for two days and that it looks like Bernie jumped bail. Dr. Will Hayward reports that the blood on the shirt is the wrong type to be Laura Palmer's, but it might be Jacques. There is a copy of Flesh World attached to the ceiling. The magazine is a clearinghouse, a middleman between readers and advertisers. I love that they're really getting into the industry there. <laughs> and actually, 
I always heard that word and I never really got it until right I did, did they mention that in the show? Because I'm very intrigued by that now, the clearinghouse thing. Yeah, they did. They mentioned the word clearinghouse. Good Jacques job. had represented a transvestite and there was a picture of Whoa. Leo. I didn't know that. Do you not remember the picture? Oh, yeah. Well, I thought he was just like messing around, you know? But yeah, boys will be boys. <laughs> Jacques had represented a transvestite no. and there was a picture of and there was a picture of Leo Johnson's truck bookmarked on a page. Bookmark. Uh, first, the fact that it's not Laura's blood. I think mm. that, like, what's what's Leo's girlfriend's name? Shelly? Yeah. Yeah, she's a total bitch. She should have done his laundry. And this wouldn't have been such a problem. All he wanted was his shirt back. It ends up not even being a thing. Well, and. If you think about it, she kind of saved him. He's innocent now because they kind of know, like, that's true. Well, I guess I don't know. They found they wouldn't have found it if it wasn't for Yeah, I think they would have found that bloody shirt anywhere. But I mean, I guess, yeah, it does show that blood wasn't Laura's. Uh, I was actually, I didn't dig into Twin Peaks, but I did dig into. So there, we talk a lot about David Lynch. Yeah. And there's another co creator who probably is more of the brains behind this operation called Mark Frost. Oh yeah. David Lynch is more just of the visual guy. Whereas like Mark Frost is the one who actually is probably writing all this nonsense. Cause then it's like, you see Mahal and drive and you think that sucks, but what's the difference between that and this, which is good. Mark Frost is the answer. And I think if I read correctly, he invented this show called Hill street blues, which like basically paved the way for, modern day cop dramas that are like gritty and real and sad and hopeless and not just like some bullshit that come at did that come after this or before this i think it came before this but first you give me a leg up here sure what's chakra nose is he eating his donut elio chakra nose blood is a b negative thanks doc I Holy smoke. Oh, and I don't know if you ever at my old apartment in Cleveland, but Dennis has definitely been there. What do you think? Do you think Jacques' apartment has a hint of mine? (laughs) I don't know. He has stuff hanging on the walls. (laughs) He actually moved in. Yeah, he moved in. He's not using Drew's fold-up table as his desk for four years. Yeah, I think the only thing that you guys had in common is that you both had a uh, Flesh World magazine stuck to your yeah. ceiling. Yeah, well, <laughs> well, and Kevin, you were you wore mostly red lingerie, right? Mm-hmm. Blue. Okay. Yeah, that is. Yeah. That Wait, is so cool. just so to get the clarification, the picture of the guy wearing lingerie was that Jacques? No, that was somebody that Jacques represented. Or oh, like, okay. So basically, I- worked as an agent for him. Okay. All right, so I saw that and I'm like, oh, this guy just wears women's underswears. The name of the title of that porno mag, I don't like that. Flesh World? Weird. Yeah. What would you like? Um, Brazzers.com. <laughs> Is Brazzers still a thing? I think so. <laughs> Kevin's winking. <laughs> I think so. I mean, they're still charging my card. <laughs> still logging in. Still watching it, but I don't. I'm not sure. 
The only other talking points I had for this are that he had uh, Jacques had those weird eyeball glasses on his desk. They're like glasses in the shape of eyeballs. The ones with the springs on them. Yeah, I love that. <laughs> those are fun. You don't see that. Like that's what I want. I'm gonna get those for my uh, desk at work. <laughs> that would be good. Maybe just recreate this. Have the bong. <laughs> oh, I didn't even notice the bong. Definitely uh, relating to the Jacques guy more than I was. Kev, did you notice the sheriff? That weird suit he's wearing. It's like a t- all tan sort of suit. No, he's wearing green pants today. Oh, is he? Yeah. So it's almost like it's part of his uniform or something, you know? No, no, no. Well, the shirt <laughs> is part of his uniform, and then the pants are interchangeable. And of course, naturally, you can only wear like four different color pants. So he's going to land on tan one out of four. So that's my final conclusion on his outfit. And then Did you the, guys get to read any of the things in Flesh World when they showed Leo's truck? I didn't. I would be curious to pull that up. I never really stopped and looked at that. I did. I paused it. And I can't tell which part is Leo's description and which is someone else's because it's broken up into two. Uh, but the one said that is ladies come first, C-U-M. Are Not we? my policy. Yeah. <laughs> it's an attractive ebony male, 28, 5 foot 1, 160 pounds, seeks female relationship and erotic pleasure. So I don't know if that's supposed to be his. Or if he's trying to bait people into coming in to like see him, or if it's the other one, I it couldn't really catch what it said, but it said single white male, twenty five for first couples. So I'm assuming that's probably the more yeah, description. <laughs> but the other one, I like the idea that he's baiting Leo's baiting people and then catfishing. You know, he's catfishing. Are you using that word uh, on purpose, baiting? Like masturbate? Yeah. <laughs> no, like baiting, like fishing, baiting someone in. Like catfishing them. Yeah. Yeah. I thought you were doing like a double entendre sort of thing. Uh, yeah, we'll say that. Okay. <laughs> oh, and I'm glad you dug into that. That does prove that you did your research because I did not want to spend the time looking at that, but I knew it was important. So thank you for doing that. So wait, yeah. so Leo has an ad in there for him to like bang people? got to be where all the blood's coming from i think he bangs him in the back of the truck and then he's that's why he shows oh. the truck and yeah i i don't understand what his ad in there is but it does that would make sense like maybe he's just seeking like couples to bang or i mean he's a truck driver out in the road i think he's just like banging or more logically like Jacques just is the one who's doing this and he just happened to be at leo's taking the picture and it just like is in the background of it for no reason because it's not like leo's in the picture Right, just the truck. Okay, so my question for you guys is, you're up for a role in Twin Peaks. You have the option of being Johnny, the 27-year-old third grader, or this guy with the mullet and the dress. Uh, Johnny, Um, he's going to get paid more because he's in it more. This guy's going to be... Unless they're like, we're going to pay you a ton of money if you wear this dress and take a picture. Whatever pays more, I'm doing, or like pay versus work I have to do. Yeah, even though this guy's a little bit more forgettable. Yeah, I don't care. Put me in a dress. Take a picture of me. It's for a for a show. Yeah, this is how I'm gonna be living my life. This this guy looks like he. If I like went to an indie rock show and this guy was up there (laughs) singing with the dress on and the cigarette, it'd probably be pretty sweet. (laughs) Yeah, I think Kurt Cobain did that. (laughs) Oh, really? 
I think he did, like wore a dress at one of his performances. Yeah, I feel like this ain't a thing to see this around Seattle. So yeah, <laughs> doesn't even phase me anymore. I don't even remember them showing this part until he brought it back up. I was like, oh. Like, why is that guy at my coffee shop in Twin Peaks? Yeah. <laughs> Who's this normal guy? Yeah. <laughs> is that a mirror? Is this a mirror of me? <laughs> All right. All right. We are now with Shelly and Bobby. Shelly and Bobby sit down for breakfast and joke about how they will stand up to Leo. Bobby hides as Andy comes to the door. Shelly talks with Andy about Leo, Laura, and Jacques and promises to call as soon as Leo gets back home. Bobby praises her performance. Then Leo calls to ask if anyone has looked for him. Bobby slips the gun into her hands and she looks at it as she tells Leo she misses him. So I'm wondering if you guys thought Bobby was a pussy or a cool guy there. It's up for debate. He's, he's a very like, I don't know. He, he pretends like he's going to be all tough and then backs out. They're very loose with that gun too. I wasn't shocked that they didn't or yeah. shocked that they didn't shoot themselves. Cause he's like pointing at her with it and like putting it to her head. I'm like, this shit's going to go off. You and Lisa don't do that? No, no, no. We use knife. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think I think uh I as soon as someone knocked, it showed out how he was just like all talk. Mm -hmm. Yeah. How old is Shelly? So it's he mentioned that she dropped out of school in eleventh grade. I would guess Bobby's what, 17? She's probably 18, probably in the same grade, 17, 18. Uh, according to the Flesh World ad that Leo has, he's either 25 or 28, debating if he's the five foot one black guy, but he's 28, <laughs> or if he's the 25 year old that's into couples, he's 25. At 25 sounds right. Yeah, it does. And it's disappointing, though, because I would have guessed he was like 36, but he probably is about 25, huh? Well, I feel like you missed your opportunity. Like, he talks successful. This guy yeah, is like 25. I, yeah, I felt a lot of disappointment in his voice. It was like, oh, man, my life could have been so much better. Could have been a truck driver with a house that's constantly in renovations <laughs> as a drug dealer. Yeah. You should just, hey, Kevin, next time you see your girlfriend, just act like Leo. She yeah. would love it. <laughs> Be like, give me a fucking beer. What are you doing? bitch you're like finally this guy made a fucking decision he <laughs> <laughs> knows what he wants <laughs> christ he's not uh, afraid to speak his mind yeah like let's go get fucking sushi she would love it <laughs> i love that's the, the equivalent you're leo yeah getting sushi. Leo. <laughs> let's get sushi i made reservations oh my god she would love that <laughs> Okay, Shelly says that Leo's been popping bennies on the road a couple of days, and you know that's how he gets when he's been popping bennies. I like that. Yeah, benzos. I'd like to pop some benzos. Anything else from that scene? <laughs> okay, Big Ed meets Norma at his gas station while Nadine is meeting a pet and attorney for her silent drape runners. Norma says that Hank will be returning. Big Ed says that Nadine is not well, and Norma tells Ed not to call her. Damn, he's really fucking it up. He's sticking in a relationship that he doesn't like. Season one, they, she doesn't like. And if they just both got out of it, they'd be so happy. What a real sad story. It is sad, though. <laughs> yeah. Why do you think he, like, what power does she hold over him? I think they're just married, right? They live together, they're yeah. married, and she doesn't, and it just seems like it got stale. I think he loves her. Um, but why? She has no value. No, I. 
<laughs> she can't even well, I think see he, twice. I, I think he actually like feels bad. Like if he left her, she'd like go crazy. That would and make like, sense. She, oh, she'd go crazy. Yeah. Yeah, and he's like the only <laughs> one like kind of keeping her together. So. But why would he fall in love with her in the first place? She is a psycho. Now she had two eyes. She had two eyes. Oh, there will be a good reveal on how she lost that eye, and like clearly she's changed. Okay, that's interesting. It was the car crash. That's really? my guess. I don't know. I, I think it's gonna come down. Up his to head. That. He car crashed. Some guys. I lost his an arm. arm. Girl lost an eye. Oh, and one eye jacks. The uh, he yeah. says that Nadine is going to meet a patent attorney for silent drape runners. I am slowly getting convinced, Owen, by your theory. This the mention of drapes in this episode picks up tremendously. Oh wow, dude! Drapes are so important. They're literally everywhere. The yeah. uh, brothel the end of the show and they're like red drapes mm -hmm. it's everywhere that's in this it. episode and it, that's what kind of sold me on the episode i'm like they're really building her up to be an evil villain and they kind of tease it at the beginning like oh she just like spying on neighbors that's why she wants silent drape runners but clearly she has a bigger motive for silent drape runners well, i don't think she's gonna be a villain i think the opposite i think something with the drapes is gonna be like a hero explain that quickly i, I just don't see her as a villain I don't know. People are already trying to feeling bad for her. Like, why would they make her a villain? You know, there's still that one part oh, where she yeah. bends the arms back of that machine. Remember? Oh, yeah. That was Sometimes weird. my arms bend back. It's like shows that she's strong and that she'll do something. <laughs> oh, like that. and like one eyed jacks, drapes. There's too much, too many like, like, coincidences. Have you said that before? The sometimes my arms. Yeah, yeah. yeah. When I first saw like the machine when she pushed it back, it's like, oh my god, her arms that she bent the arms of the machine back. Oh, and you're our Andy, man. You're stumbling upon like, <laughs> left and right. I don't know shit. Just pick up on all the dumb stuff. Dude, no, I think you're insane. right. I think you're right, though. I think like the current thing. Why is she so obsessed? And like. They talk about the red curtains and then they show the sex room or whatever and there's curtains maybe there's some weird ass thing where curtains are loud and it fucks her up and she's like obsessive about it either she was like a victim or she was part of it that's a good point too i like that i think that like a little ptsd and it's yeah. driving her nuts yeah <laughs> we're uncovering a lot right now it's interesting it makes it makes me excited for the next episode because i think she's going to be a big character is it loud? Let's hear it. Let's hear curtain. Let's turn that down. <laughs> Too loud. Audrey has an interview with Emery Battis, the manager of Horn's department store. She refuses to start in the wrapping department and instead asks to start in perfumes. She blackmails Battis into consenting. She cries rape is what she does. Yeah, total bitch. I hated this. Like, this is gonna give like some like good people bad names because you have people like this. So don't like this part. So we're gonna end up deleting all that. But yeah, there are people out there in this world that will be like, <laughs> we're, we're not deleting it. I'm just gonna <laughs> <get> my soapbox here <laughs> from the top of my lungs. She wants something, and it's yeah, it's either Agent Cooper or it's to solve the case for whatever reason. I think it's to solve the case. I, yeah, I don't know. Maybe she just wants someone to love her. Is that crazy to ask? It is. It, it's a lot to ask. <laughs> How many people in this world love you, Dennis? Um, Can you count them on two hands? <laughs> I don't, I don't, uh, 
two hands? <laughs> no, not two hands. Probably my parents and my wife and my kids. That's I think two hands, right? That's five. Maybe Lisa's parents a little bit, I guess. No, I talked to them earlier. <laughs> <laughs> they said, fuck that guy. No, he actually did a little background and research on this podcast. We talked to your parents, too, and they said they're still iffy. <laughs> Who knows? We couldn't get your kids on the phone, but we're still figuring that one out. Well, actually, my, my one kid for like two years didn't like me. Just only like Lisa. I and so it. I just fucking every day threatened the shit out to beat the shit out of him. And <laughs> now he likes me. He salutes me when I walk in the door. <laughs> Clean my shoes. <laughs> Listen, Freddie. It's natural for you to feel angry about this boy. Yeah, that's pretty good, Kevin. This is this is the man's way of feeling about toys. <laughs> toys. <laughs> toys. <laughs> I'm about to turn this toy on. Oh, that's great. <laughs> I forgot he's in that episode later on. That guy. All right, let's get to James. Yes, my favorite dude. He's getting more interesting. Donna meets not <laughs> not at all. Donna meets James in a gazebo. James says that his father did not die when he was ten, but was a musician and a ran away. He says that his mom is an alcoholic and promiscuous writer. He tells Donna that he does not want any secrets between them. So I actually didn't know any of that. I just completely blacked out when James came on the screen. Oh, and go for it. The only thing that I got out of that is like, if I were James' parents, I would be the same way. <laughs> because yeah, <laughs> he sucks so bad. <laughs> I like that's pretty good. Man, that landed hard. <laughs> I was not expecting that. Because I honestly feel the same way. Like, he's just so fucking annoying. He comes on the screen, you're like, uh. But Dennis says that he blacked out. I, like, didn't listen. I just can't wait until, like, he's either something else happens with him where he becomes important or he, like, dies or it's just kind of fizzles out. I mean, the most interesting he got is during the book club, boys which is like gone now, whatever that was for one episode. <laughs> it's very important. He was like part of it and they're like solving crimes and he's like part of that cool club. And now he's just like little whiny bitch boy. That's, I don't know. All right, let's get back to Jacques' apartment. The officers and forensic team go through Jacques' apartment to discover that he managed correspondence for another advertiser in the magazine. They are so in the weeds about this like magazine <laughs> advertising thing that I just don't understand. <laughs> they go through Jacques' apartment and discover that he managed correspondence for another advertiser in the magazine, Laura. Her photograph is in front of red drapes, much like those in the cabin in Jacques' photograph. Cooper says to pack up to look through the woods. So yeah, I, I this Nadine character is getting very interesting and She's slowly becoming my winner of the episode, even though she doesn't make an appearance. Who's Nadine? One eyed lady. Oh, 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 yeah. The, the only thing I noticed about this scene, he eats a donut with the gloves on. Is that the scene? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Why? When you see that scene, you don't think you don't get jealous that he's just eating a donut and stays skinny. Yes, I do. There's so many donuts. I'm like, I would just love to eat like one or two of those and just. My problem with donuts is I honestly get like sick after I eat one because it's just too much. 
I always feel like after one donut. I, yeah, and I'm normally like, oh god, I feel like shit after eating that. But I really don't want to feel that way, and I just love to be able to eat like one or two donuts and drink coffee, and that just be my breakfast. That sounds amazing. I would just love to start my morning with a donut and a coffee. But it's just like the second I start my morning with a donut, the rest of the day, I, it's like I'm mentally sick. I'm just like, yeah, that's what I'm saying. Now I'm playing catch up the whole rest of the day. Like those are 300 calories down the drain. Yeah. No, I agree uh, where like I, I would never eat a donut on like a weekday, but a, like a weekend, I could have a donut. Turns into a real donut monster, don't you? Yeah, a donut hole. <laughs> Probably those, you get donuts, you get like six of them. I mean, for like a fa- like if I'm buying them for a family. Dude, when I was in like fifth grade, when we were, me and Dennis were like pretty chubby, right? Weren't you chubby yeah, back then? No, yeah, I was not now. Back then a lot. <laughs> Skinny now. Um, I, we'd go to, <laughs> my dad would get like a half or baker's dozen of donuts from Donut Scene to come home. I would eat like four of them, no problem. Oh, <laughs> like, yeah. Four donuts at a sitting is disgusting. But like back then, it was like nothing. You were growing boy. Well, the fact that my parents just allowed, like, yeah, you can have four donuts. That's fine. <laughs> Dude, I think That's about crazy. that, too. Like, my parents had no, like, I could eat, I remember eating, like, they would have ice cream in their fridge, and, like, I would eat, like, a bowl of ice cream, like, every other night. Oh, dude, same. And I'd eat a shit ton of it. It'd be, yeah. like, a full bowl. Or, like, half I, a box of cereal. Like, if I saw my kid now eating that, <laughs> I would, like, you wouldn't even know. Okay, can I blow your guys' mind really quick? Yeah. I'm now looking at this. I think there's something to these donuts right here because they put a huge emphasis on this plate of donuts when Cooper is getting served at Jacques' apartment. And I think, Dennis, you mentioned that he has a glove on while he's doing it. Yeah. Uh, he he picks up the donut with the glove hand, the one that's been inspecting like all the bloody shit and the flesh world, which is absolutely disgusting. But that is not the point I'm trying to make. The point I'm trying to make is that we are from Strongsville, Ohio, where there is a restaurant called The Donut Scene, S-C-E-N-E. And I was just about to say, you guys, we need to look at this donut scene. Do we think that restaurant is named after <laughs> Twin Peaks? Dude, it's, I don't know when it opened up, but that is an amazing like uh, connection, if it is. It doesn't make any sense why it'd be called donut scene. Like the pun doesn't stand alone, make any sense. Yeah. And this is not like a pivotal, maybe it becomes one. That's what I'm thinking. Like maybe like the donut scene is something. Cause I mean, like what, like what does donut scene mean without the context of Twin Peaks there? That restaurant has no, no, it's like, I don't know. Like you say the, if I said the burrito scene. scene. Yeah. Like you're, this is where the hip and stylish donuts are, you know? Uh, it's the scene. It's like, yeah, where, that might have been like, what's the scene? Where are we going? Like, going to yeah. the donuts. I don't nah, know. Dude, I like that. I like Kevin's like donut scene, crime scene. Oh, oh, oh shit. Just, I didn't like, even think about pops, pops just love donuts. Wait, you gotta go back and look at this picture. That's I have that in my notes, Dennis. I'm so excited. <laughs> I fucking love it. It's <laughs> fucking... with their body paint. <laughs> it's it's beautiful. It's so imaginative. Oh, the, the clown? Oh, Wait, you didn't pause it. I can't, hang on. It's done with like the body paint on their fat guts. It's amazing. Can you guys see it? It's like, this is sweet. Oh, I man. love this. What is on top of their heads? And they like put the like a thing ones. on their heads. So it, looks, 
Oh, oh that is goodness. good. This yeah. might also be really fucking important because it's weird as hell, too. I've never seen something so like imaginative. Oh, you know what this looks like? Oh, it's it does kind of look arm. like a dancing scene, like an, a prelude He's to got it. The long, long arms snapping like that. Oh, 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 shit. So it's part okay. of his dream. Let me just give some context to what we're looking at here. We're looking at, we're in Jacques's apartment, and there are two guys with their guts painted to look like faces, and they're wearing blazers around their waist to look like their bodies are representing that midget fascinating mm-hmm. whoa that i think i think this has to be tied to that yeah. i think so too that is a good that's a good little find there that's a good little get good get <laughs> i like that sound bite that's a get <laughs> that's a get <laughs> maddie enters the diner and meets james and donna Donna swears Maddie to secrecy and they ask her to look for Laura's secret hiding place. She agrees and they leave. Hank sits at the next table having heard their conversation. Not much on that one on my end. No, yeah, the only thing that, that I, I it annoyed me that they didn't drink their drinks. They just ordered drinks, then walked out, and that was really annoying. And then Hank just sat there, listened, and then said to the owner of the double R, Hank's wife, yeah. he says, Can I finish my coffee first? boss oh <laughs> it means nothing other than that he's yeah. her boss now but yeah i, I kind of like that part i noticed that too because they like zoom in on her coke that she didn't drink and i'm like what is the significance of this and then they hand over to hank sitting there and i'm like oh it's not about the coke it's about this hank guy um yeah that's it no no like it might be set up or something and they got what they wanted maybe hank and her are working together Something along those lines. I got a couple interesting bullet points to rifle through. James, I think, orders a cherry Coke, and it comes out on tap. Who has cherry Coke on tap? I've ordered a thousand Cokes. Never a cherry Coke. Also thought that that was a new thing. I thought cherry Coke was like late 2000s, early 2000s. I didn't know that was 1980s, 1990s. When you say tap, is that the little gun thing? Yeah, it would be either be on a gun or they would have to like, you know, Seven Eleven. they have the little like fountain. Oh, fountain. Yeah. Don't Which say is, draft. Well, draft. Well, no, well, no one says on draft. fountain. Yeah. <laughs> like, huh? Like you no tap. No one says on fountain. A fountain drink. I don't. Anyways, I don't think cherry Coke is often featured as a fountain drink, but prove me wrong. And I looked, there's no cherry on top of it. So it's not like they mix the cherry in afterwards. I probably wouldn't like a natural cherry Coke. I think that would be gross. <laughs> well, I thought it was weird that he, no, because he literally says, can I have a cherry Coke Zero? He's <laughs> <laughs> like, there's no sugar in this, right? <laughs> Wait, I got to scan this with my phone for Weight Watchers. Is, <laughs> is there sugar in this? <laughs> Wait, Dennis, are you doing Weight Watchers? No, I, I've done it many times, though. Oh, okay. I was going to say, I don't know anyone that knows how Weight Watchers works. Yeah, I've done it a lot. Okay. <laughs> no, I feel bad. I'm sorry. Well, no. To call you out of it. All right. Hank is sitting at the diner. The domino is now on a keychain. He's afraid of losing it. Well, he. It always was. Oh, yeah, it was. It always was. And I tried to find it on Amazon. Doesn't exist. I was Ooh. trying to find the exact one, and I was going to get it for all of us. That would oh, be wow. really nice. That'd be really thoughtful. But there is nothing. I couldn't find it. So I'll find something else. 
the two ladies walk in for uh, to the diner after their day at the salon, and they just have the dumbest haircuts. They look like the Flintstones. <laughs> like, yeah. <laughs> it looks like do they have any sort of like woman on the production crew to like be like, or is that just how it was? Like we're getting our hair done up. Yeah, nineteen like fifties housewife. Yeah, they're like we can either consult with an actual female or we can <laughs> ask this seventy-five-year-old guy who works on the lighting. And then I just like this guy with the bandana. He's my winner of the episode, and from Invitation <laughs> to Love, he's cool. <laughs> Not even part of the show. Just, yeah. <laughs> the show in the show is Kevin's winner. Winner of the episode. I thought that guy was cool. All right, let's get into the next scene. Um, Norma and Shelly enter the diner with their hair and makeup done. Hank greets Norma and says he will try to earn his way back into Norma's heart. And she tells him to start by washing dishes. Ha 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 ha. Invitation to love is on television. Montana, he has a name, beats up Chet as Jared watches. So that guy, the guy with the bandana has a name. Montana. But that's so dumb. Like, why would they mention that in the fandom? Because there's no way we would know that guy's name just from watching that scene. Maybe later on. Yeah, like it's dumb how they write these things from the perspective of George, who's like seen the whole series. Or I mean, I mean, they did kind of <laughs> they have many people talk about the show. Maybe they talk about the character and we just don't know. Yeah, I guess there's we could like theoretically splice all those scenes together and probably understand what's going on in Invitation to Love. Yeah, because the receptionist at the police office, she like mentioned everyone's name when she was explaining the show. I think that just goes to show that like if you really wanted to dig into this, there's probably a million little pieces you could find that we're not finding. Bobby's parents talk about his behavior problems with Dr. J. He asks Bobby if he has been using drugs. He says no, but he has been drinking. Bobby says that his father has killed people. Jacoby asks Bobby's parents to leave so that he can talk to him privately. Jacoby asks Bobby if he cried the first time he and Laura made love and if Laura laughed at him. Bobby says that Laura wanted to die, that she told him so. She told him that people were sick and rotten. Jacoby asks if Laura had a terrible secret and says that she wanted to corrupt people. Bobby admits that Laura made him sell drugs. Laura made Bobby sell drugs so she could have them. She's a real bad girl. I like this scene. I think he made some uh, a real step. What's the therapist term? Like a step or a... Uh, a break. A, a breakthrough, yeah. Breakthrough. Right. It kind of won me back on Dr. J. I think he's very good at his job. Did you guys only like it because it was Bobby? No, because he kind of controlled Bobby. It's like there's so many power dynamics. Bobby owns Shelly. Bobby owns this. Leo owns Bobby. Horn owns Leo. Dr. J pretty much unfazed by anybody so far. It just wants to golf. I don't know. Dr. J is manipulative, I think. Oh, and he was owned by Laura. She made him cry. Yeah. Well, I think... At first, I'm like, well, he's being a dick because he know he talked to Laura and he knows about how he cried when they had sex the first time. But then he uses that to like have Bobby make a breakthrough of like, like, you're not a bad guy. This girl manipulated you to do this shit and you fell for it. And you weren't you're actually not sad that she's dead and whatever. Yeah, I thought it was good. I, I, I don't have much to say on it. I just thought it made me like Dr. J. Like he's very good at his job kind of like cooper just two different fields two different experts but it makes you wonder what dr j's hidden agenda is like is he really trying to help bobby or is he just trying to crack laura 
Well, I feel like Dr. J sees the world through like a different lens, specifically like a blue and a red, <laughs> blue and a red sort of lens. Uh, that was good. That was good. Yeah, he's seeing it in 3D. We're all just yeah. in 2D. Oh, and you'll be happy to hear that he's wearing a tie over a turtleneck. You're saying it like I didn't watch the episode, which might be true. I don't know. <laughs> you'll be happy to hear. <laughs> episode, Doctor. Yeah, that was like the first time I didn't take inventory of what he was actually wearing, which I do every single time because it drives me nuts what jo Doctor Jacoby wears. So it must have been forgetful, which is a good thing. I paid close attention to it this time just because of all the yeah. Owen banter. But we end with Bobby really breaking down. The officers walk through the woods, and a raven watches them. Hawk tracks a path to a cabin, but Cooper says it is the wrong cabin. Harry advises Dr. Hayward to hang back. The log lady greets them on the porch and she offers them tea and cookies. She says the owls will not see them inside. She says her log saw something significant. She says that her husband was a lumberman and that he had met the devil. And Harry says to secure the day after the wedding. She interprets the log. It saw two men and two girls and heard some screaming. This is where it gets pretty interesting, this episode, because we learn a lot, in my opinion. Owen, what do you got? I don't like her. I don't like the part of the show. I guess I didn't pay enough attention to it because it, it just annoyed me. Yeah. This log lady is annoying. The cabin that they stumbled upon is annoying. Felt like it was a filler and they wanted to just jam shit in there. I, I don't know. It just bugs me. If yeah. she's an important part of the show, it's... I'm sure she is because it's like a very... A log lady that's carrying a log everywhere at some point has to be important, but not a fan of the whole part of it um i did like cooper's fbi coat though yeah doesn't it look like it's fake like it's a Halloween? yeah, yeah i know that's why thing. i just liked it i was like this thing is just like i'm like did they just get a regular shit. coat and get some yellow tape <laughs> they used the wrong font it's like if they dennis just... wanted to dress up as cooper for halloween at ou <laughs> and he's like i need the cheapest quickest costume i'm just gonna tape it on the back i have a blue jacket and like... and yellow tape <laughs> Yeah, they're like, what font do you want? You're like, Times New Roman. <laughs> no, but I agree with Owen where I'm like, I'm I'm not feeling this log lady stuff. It's kind of forced. Like, if it is supernatural, like, I'm not feeling it. I might not be able to sell you guys, but I just, I thought she just had a couple bridges into the unnatural or like the supernatural that were really interesting. One, she mentions that the owls won't see us in here. And we talked about the owls recently yeah. and it's like i do think these owls are significant somebody has control of these owls or owls are watching i don't know the more i watch the show i'm like i kind of hope it's not very supernatural like because they're kind of forcing it down our throat now and now i'm like yeah that's just a little too out there i guess or it's too unrealistic well i do like that her husband met the devil that that makes me curious i'm always interested in any like religious metaphors and supernatural metaphors so have you met Devil horns. Oh, I never. Oh, and I didn't even think about the horns. Horns. I didn't even oh. think about the horns. Never thought about that. I just thought horny. <laughs> yeah, we thought of horny. Okay, but no, that horns thing is fascinating. I never thought about them as the devil, but they yeah. are. And I think I do see a world where Ben comes out of it, like where Jerry is the devil, but maybe Ben comes out of it like a fallen angel or like kind of thing. Anyways, the men go farther through the woods and find the cabin from the picture. They sneak up on it. A record player is playing Into the Night on vinyl, making Cooper remark that there is always music in the air. And they find Waldo in a birdcage. Some twine is on the floor, along with a bloodstain. A poker chip rolls out of the cuckoo clock. 
It is a missing piece of the same shape as was found in Laura's stomach. The music playing on the vinyl was like very like indie rock. It was cool. I liked it. Yeah. The thing I just noticed with you playing that clip was the title of the episode is called Cooper's Dreams. And so trying to place, I guess he finally found out where his dreams took place in that room mm -hmm. with the red drapes. Yeah. <laughs> that scene was a ton. I'm sure there was so much in there. Yeah, there is so I that, that's what I was gonna say. I don't know what to mention first. Yeah, I just than, have drapes, uh, poker chips, blood, lots to unpack in the cabin, but I did not unpack it. Like I said, the one part that got me like pumped is when they showed that scene of all their faces going one by like showing do, 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 like all their faces one by one. And then they go into the cabin and it's just like mayhem. Like, holy shit, this is where like shit went down. Reminds me a lot of True Detective when they get really close to something and they're like, fuck, like we are actually starting to break this case wide open. And it's a complete turning point in the entire case. And it and gets kind of scary. It kind of like validates like all their like hunches. Yeah, like, yeah. Oh, like we thought this was creepy and holy shit, it is creepy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I yeah. liked it a lot. That was, that was a good scene. Dennis, I haven't watched a ton of Westerns, but do they do that? Like where the three, the four faces like kind of like stagger? Yeah, it's kind of cheesy, I guess, is the mm -hmm. word. Oh, there it is. Yeah, they kind of like step up to the scene. I thought that was cool though. Like here's our heroes that are going to solve the story. Doom, 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 doom. <laughs> I love the the fisherman. Who's the last one? The, that is not the, the fisherman. <laughs> That's I didn't mean that. Who, who is he? <laughs> He's just like a doctor. All right. The Martells enter the gala for the men from Iceland. Major Briggs chats and Jerry flirts with Heba. Leland looks around as Benjamin tells jokes. Catherine pours her champagne on his foot and he tells her to meet him in his office. Oh, so basically, uh, men are wearing Viking horns, lots of horns. Ben tells Catherine to go easy on the sauce and then she double fists. Love that move. Jerry has some weird pickup line that he was hit using at Eva. What does he say? Basically, that their gene pool would be a good mixture. Oh, that, yeah. I think he means he wants to fuck the shit out of her. Huh. You're kind of ruling out the potential of a surrogate. <laughs> That's true. Because <laughs> I don't really see his, I mean, he's a short guy. Maybe you're right. And, and Dennis, a surrogate, just to clear you up on this, is just like you mix two DNAs and that surrogate oh. holds the baby. So, yeah, he doesn't necessarily want to have sex with her. He just wants to. Oh, okay. That joke flew over my head. Thanks, yeah, for, okay. thanks for explaining that to me. Um, yeah, the only thing I really got from this scene, at least the beginning of it, is these Icelandic girls look like any sort of indie rocker chick. A lot of modern music comes from Iceland, I believe, or like the Nordic countries. So there's something to that. It's kind of weird that Iceland's a Nordic country when it's really kind of not, but go ahead. Audrey enters her secret passage and eavesdrops. Catherine confronts Ben about the poker chip and she slaps him. Then they kiss. He says he will give Josie one more chance to sell, but he has retained the service of a professional. 
I don't get why Audrey is like loving it. She's like smiling and happy about it. Like she found something out. Did you guys catch that when she's looking through the glory hole? Yes. And I think it's answered quickly. Like she's just like reacting and like, ha ha ha. Oh my God. All my suspicions are confirmed. Cause then clearly she has a breakdown right after it. Yeah. Well, what's the what suspicions that she would oh, fuck, I fucking missed it. No, I what, think it wasn't even suspicions. Like suspicions. I think she just likes to find out the dirt on people and then she like like found God, like, almost the true nature of people but what is the dirt like what did she find out that her dad and that lady are banging or i can explain this really quickly because i had a question so audrey's dad is ben horn i don't know the story about her mom like her mom has not been in the series yet but yeah sure at dinner oh she was at dinner yes so she is just upset to find out that her dad is truly a sleazeball hooking up with this girl who is we've all objectively stated that it's not jump her bones we, yeah we would <laughs> just like him he can't help himself so she's just distraught to see that her dad like this is the first time she's seen him being a sleaze yeah. i think yeah i guess i guess that's true because i like as soon as you said we haven't seen his his the mom i was like yeah we did at dinner and i'm like oh shit that made a lot more sense as soon as I saw that. Cause she's the mom is barely in the show at all. So I just thought that they were just a normal relationship, but clearly they're hiding. Uh, yeah. Um, I think fair. I think um, Kevin, what you said is right. Where it's almost like she found out, she knew her dad was a piece of shit and it just got confirmed mm -hmm. in her head. And she, at first she laughs and then she kind of hits her and she cries, which is, seems like a pretty normal reaction like ha 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 i was right oh fuck. yeah and then also speaking on that he's they're basically the whole idea of burning down the lumber yard like he agrees with it with her but we kind of come to see later on that yeah the ice cream man is here <laughs> <laughs> that that so ice cream my guy doesn't usually come till eleven fifteen. Early. Well, the do the donuts coming after. Yeah, <laughs> I feel so bad after eating a fucking donut. <laughs> I cry. <laughs> but give me ice cream. I'm good. All right. So after Horn and Catherine Kathy hook up, he encourages her to take a breath mint, which is a rude move. <laughs> yeah, I think that went to show that he's only hooking up with her to lead her on because of the next scene too. So we cut back to the gala and Jerry gives a speech and is interrupted by some music. Leland cries out and starts dancing. Catherine joining him by Ben's command. And Ben tells Jerry to get Leland out of his life. Everyone starts dancing, imitating Leland's breakdown. Audrey watches and cries. That was amazing. <laughs> It was the best recovery ever. They're like, <laughs> oh shit. I love that Leland, as soon as music goes out, he goes, oh no. <laughs> he just can't help himself about breaking it down. So, like, music is his trigger yeah. to dance. This scene made Leland my winner. Just like, he wants to dance, baby, no matter what, you know? <laughs> Put that music on, he's moving. I feel like there's a lot of similarities between me and Leland. Just like music comes on, you just can't help yourself, even if yeah. you're just like a little bummed out. You're like, ah, shit, I'm gonna, I'm gonna break down a little bit. 
I uh, the- I love that. That was my favorite scene of like the whole show so far is when he started dancing because he couldn't help himself but was pissed about it. No, on the contrast, I love the way Catherine, the girl we all kind of hate, handled it. She's like, Ben thrusts her into a very uncomfortable situation. She steps up. She's like trying to fake dance with him. And like, she's like mimicking his moves and it catches on. I thought she handled it really well. And I, I it made me like her a little bit more. Just yeah. rolling with the punches. I mean, it's just, it is funny how Leland's just a blubbering piece of shit, like mess. And it's kind of it's annoying, but it's it's starting to grow on me. I'm just being comical. I agree. Kevin, I agree with you on like how you like how she handled it. Handled it like a real like executive, like, oh shit, we gotta like make sure we nail down this deal. We can't fuck this up. And it it worked. It was good. Yeah. I agree. She took but made, fuck her. Let's get to the end. We just have a couple more paragraphs. Josie smokes in Ben's office. Madeline creeps through the house and calls Donna. She says she has found a tape in a secret hiding place. Benjamin enters his office and turns on a light. Josie says no one saw her come in. Josie found the second book in Catherine's desk where he said it would be. Ben tells Josie they can proceed tomorrow night. Yeah, so he's like in on... She He wants uh, Catherine to burn down the lumber mill and for whatever reason. And like Josie knows about it. I, I don't really get it. I don't get it either, but it does seem like Josie is a little bit more actively involved and a little bit more mischievous and evil than we first imagined. Is she evil or is she just like trying to Ben's maybe not evil? And like, I I don't know. I thought if there were just a nice twist, because I ended the last podcast thinking Josie has nothing to offer. And I ended this episode thinking, okay, Josie is all of a sudden interesting. Ben, I, I end this episode thinking he has a little bit of a heart. Yeah. He's kind well, of thing too is Josie's tied to that domino guy somehow. And I kind of forget about that. Which one's Ben? I know who Ben is, is Jock's brother, right? No, that's Bernie. <laughs> ben and Jerry. Ben and Jerry. Horny. Ben Horn. Ben Horn. Oh, sorry, sorry, sorry. I was trying to figure out what he looked like. Yeah. There's not too much to unpack there, just kind of cryptic situation. And then Madeline creeping through and she found a secret tape. They didn't play the tape or anything, did they? No. Okay. All right, now we get to our guy. Shelly lights a cigarette at the stove, and Leo drives up in an old truck. He pulls two cans of gasoline out of his shed. Then Hank attacks him and warns him not to compete. Leo walks in his house, dirty and bloody, and pushes Shelly to the ground, telling her to get him a beer. She pulls the gun on him, but he doubts that she would pull the trigger. She shoots him, and the ceiling light swings back and forth as he retreats. Did I forget that? Yeah, of course. Now, as soon as you said it, I was like, holy shit, yeah, that did happen. I told you to mind the store, Leo, not open your own franchise. Hey, guys, do as you're told, Leo. Next time, you watch me take your little chippy apart before I kill you. But are you okay? Just give me a damn beer! Get up and. How are you doing with that? You're not gonna hurt me again. Don't come near me, Leo. You stupid little slut. <laughs> you haven't got the guts. <laughs> I laugh at the noise of him getting shot, where I'm like, I would never sound like that if I got shot. <laughs> I laugh when he goes, <laughs> his voice goes to like a uh, distortion. He goes, You stupid little slut. <laughs> Kevin, in your fandom, I think it gave a little spoiler where it says he retreats. 
Oh, who retreats? It says at the it says um, light swings as Leo retreats. Oh, is it implied that he like sneaks out the door? I'm guessing your fandom. I hate this guy. We need to figure out who writes this shit. Cooper walks down the hallway to the sound of men singing and notices the door to his room is ajar. Ooh. He enters with his gun drawn and finds Audrey naked in his bed crying. She asks him to not make her leave. End of episode. Yeah, she's just digging for all the information. I don't know. I really don't know what's on her. What do you think like, Cooper does? Her... I think he fucks her. <laughs> That's <laughs> you would go. <laughs> I think he like I think he yeah, I think he quits the police force, stops the case, just all lives at her. the uh, at the hotel for the rest of his life. He's like yeah. get this case. At least what it that's what he's thinking all beforehand, and then he busts and he's like, Oh, oh sure. <laughs> <laughs> Been there. <laughs> you gotta go. <laughs> All right, really quick, let's do the uh, winners and losers of the episode. Owen, you feel confident enough to start? No. Dennis, winners and losers um, of the episode, confident enough to start? Yeah, winner is Leland, Leland Palmer, because um, he went from I hate every time he's on the scene to at the end where I'm like, this guy's funny. And then loser is James Hurley. I just fucking hate him. Yeah. Don't ever want to see him again. That's what I got. Owen. Um, I think loser is Shelly, right? Shelly. For what? The, <laughs> Leo's girlfriend. Oh, yeah, yeah. Leo's girlfriend. Yeah. She killed Leo. I don't think he died. Not Okay, that's what I'm saying. Like, she just wasted everything just to kill Leo, who Leo had nothing to do with. I mean, I know that that wasn't her, her move to kill him to, because he had nothing to do with the case, but because she wanted to get away from him. But she's just putting herself in jail at the moment and i don't know she just doesn't add anything here but god i think leland is also the winner just because he's become like the worst character ever to actually being very entertaining he's so one-dimensional at this point that it's becoming like yeah comic relief yeah but i hated him before this episode i almost just want him to show up every episode doing his dancing thing it would make it very sweet yeah just like every yeah you kind of like a serious scene, and it's like, oh fuck, he's here. It is. crying. <laughs> My winner of the episode. It was brief, but Doctor J. I thought that scene with Bobby oh, yeah. was great, and just showed a couple, another couple layers to his character. My loser of the episode. Uh, it's a little bit obvious, but I just want to say James again, James and Donna, because. They just like blow their gig at the diner. They're like trying to be interesting, but they're just going to get fucking killed by Hank or something. Yeah, I don't like them. Okay, my favorite scene of the episode, though. I liked the log lady scene. I thought there was a lot to unpack there, and I know Owen doesn't feel the same way, but between the log lady and them going to that cabin in the woods, I thought that was very fascinating. I think that it's probably important to the show but like is a forced important thing. And I think the devil part, I see the devil is the horns part where you have the mm -hmm. people name the horns. They have the, uh, God, what are they Viking horns. called? Yeah. There's a lot of horns that are in there. I'm just curious to learn more about the log lady. That's why she, I find her striking. 
I just wish she wasn't carrying a log all the time, and they figured that out. What would you rather give her some carry? other? What could she carry? <laughs> nothing. A just little, dude, dude, nothing. A like pen? a briefcase, something normal. Yeah, something normal. A gun. A you don't Stanley. need a, You don't need a Stanley tumbler. So you like notice it? Yeah. Yeah. Have you guys seen girls walking around with a Stanley tumbler? Yeah. Oh, wait, Sarah, fucking get a big goal. Your, <laughs> come here with your Stanley. Yeah, if she if she was like my Stanley tumbler saw something. Yeah, tell her to just get a big goal. As soon as she got that thing, by the way, Sarah has one. As soon as she got it, I was like, you can't drink out of that thing. Lisa has one, and my two and three year old like try to drink out of it, and it just instantly falls over every fucking time. Yeah, and it's really loud. Yeah. Yeah. And Dennis, you could go to 7-Eleven and get those like 74 ounce like tumblers. Yeah. Like a construction worker guy. Yeah. What is that? <laughs> but those don't look as good on TikTok. <laughs> no. Dennis, did you say your favorite scene of the episode? Um, fuck, I don't know. I think Leland it's... Palmer dancing. Yeah. Oh, and same? No, I do love that scene a lot, but my favorite scene is when they show face like the screens of or the screen with everyone's face slowly coming in as they go into the cabin. That's a great scene. That one's hard to describe. It reminds us Yeah, it is hard to describe how it works, but if you are a listener to the podcast, if you look at our faces on our picture, oh yeah. It's kind of how Ooh. it looks. One face at a time. In the woods. Just imagine our faces showing up one at a time, which I okay. also thought is like when that when that got created through your very artistic ability, Dennis. Yeah. You did that on purpose. I think that it pulled up on. Shit, I maybe you're right. I mean, yeah. I, well, I want. Were there like that was a... Twin Peaks three heads in the woods? Oh, oh, never mind. <laughs> but I made that maybe... makes a lot of sense. Though. But it worked. It's like that's probably what David Lynch was thinking too. Like we gotta have like, I don't know, three heads in the woods.